You are listening to the Bottom Line podcast where those living with or beyond bowel cancer, as well as health professionals involved in bowel cancer treatment and care, share their inspirational stories and lived experiences with host and bowel cancer survivor, Stephanie. A cancer diagnosis is often filled with stress as your life is turned upside down. In this episode of the Bottom Line podcast, we talk to bowel care oncology social worker, Victoria, who chats through the importance of looking after your well-being and how a social worker can help you navigate your bowel cancer journey. Victoria, thanks so much for joining us today on the Bottom Line podcast. We're here today to talk to you about your newly appointed role of bowel care oncology social worker with Bowel Cancer Australia. It's just so fabulous to have you on board as a resource for people living with or beyond bowel cancer. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Now, before we get into the nitty gritty of your role with Bowel Cancer Australia and what your role will entail and how you can assist bowel cancer patients, could you give us just a really quick snapshot broadly of what a social worker does? Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess so. I like to think of social work as the clinician that focuses on the psychosocial parts of your life and your well-being. So you've got the doctors, nurses, nutritionists that are focused on the physical condition and symptoms and managing those areas. But a social worker is looking at all the other facets and aspects of your life um, and how your illness or how your diagnosis, treatment affects all those areas and therefore our point of treatment, if you will, or where we like to focus is on all those other areas. So looking at um, your social circumstances, your family, your relationships, your support networks, your emotional, psychological well-being, your work, employment, finances, um, even things like your hobbies and your interests. You know, we want to focus on those things, bringing meaning um, amidst, you know, what you're facing. And so, yeah, I would I would say we're the clinician that looks at all the other parts. So each cancer has its unique nuances. How then can you help patients and loved ones as they go through their bowel cancer journey? The social worker works alongside other professionals that are involved in your care. So, um, you know, you've got your your treating doctor, your treating specialist, maybe maybe you've got a surgeon and a medical oncologist, specialist nurses that are supporting you um, within the health system. Um, and then maybe you're also involved with bowel care nurses and, and receiving support with them. So we're sort of an adjunct on top of that and, and we sort of come alongside and add to your support network. Um, and so we can assist at any point of the journey, whether that's if you're just at the investigation sort of early detection point, um, you've been diagnosed, you've started treatment, or maybe you're beyond treatment and you've sort of you're in survivorship now and you're focusing on life beyond cancer, or maybe you have metastatic disease and your situation is terminal and um, you know you're entering into palliative care and end of life care. That's something that we would sort of continue to support you through any point of the journey. More specifically in terms of how we help would be looking at, um, you know, adjustment to your new diagnosis, supporting people um, at the point of 
receiving the news? How do we process that? How do I take that in? How does my family take that in? What does this mean? So processing and adjusting um, to this and to this new um, information and this new way of living, adjustment to the changes that you'll see in your body, in your sexuality, um, in the roles that you take on and how you live your life. We would also assist with um, talking with your family, whether you've got children in your family, your sibling, a parent, um, a partner, talking about your diagnosis. We can support people with having those conversations, family meetings to discuss what's happened, um, just looking at coping strategies and how to manage stress, how to manage treatment, how to get through uh, and beyond that. Providing therapeutic counselling, whether that's in the short term, um, whether that's on an as-needed basis. Uh, So, you know, you might need it at the start, but then you might be okay and then you might touch in because you've had a reoccurrence of your disease or uh, maybe it's down the track, you're beyond treatment and and now it's all starting to hit you because you've been in um, doing mode and, and let's get through this and I've been very practical, but now oh my goodness, I've just realised what I've been through and now I think I really need some support. Uh, me as a bowel cancer patient, I noticed that there were a number of gaps in the system. Now, I was 10 years ago, but there are gaps in that care pathway and that assistance with our mental wellbeing is often overlooked. Anxiety and fear and that fear of the unknown in particular is really real for many patients. What is your advice and how can you help patients navigate how they approach their cancer diagnosis and treatment. I agree that is um, very common, uh, that fear of the unknown. I often say your journey is paved with a million question marks. So I guess I find myself continually saying, I know it's a cliche and it seems so simple, but it is profound one day at a time. All you can do is is take things one day at a time. Um, it's the only way that you can approach it without completely depleting yourself of energy, of internal resources. Um, so there's a there's a proverb that I've I've mentioned a few times to my patients or um, people that I've worked with um, throughout my journey and my own journey working with, with uh, within cancer oncology. Um, it says. Don't expend your energy for today on worrying about the things in tomorrow and beyond. You have sufficient strength only for the day before you. So don't waste it on things you are not meant to carry today and that you cannot do anything about today. Your strength will be replenished afresh each day. So tomorrow's problems can be dealt with tomorrow's strength. Oh, that's um, that's just a great life lesson, isn't it? It's something that you know. I was just about you know... to say that. I live by that. I, I do my best to remind myself of that life proverb, but um, something that we need to be reminded of because when we're in a situation where there are so many question marks, to feel a sense of control, or because we've lost all, like you've lost control over your life, is what it seems, and so. In those situations, we start grasping for any semblance of control that we can get. And our way of doing that is often to answer all the questions. I was just having a conversation with someone yesterday, one of our um, uh, people that reached out for some support 
I was speaking to her about how, you know, you are someone that information gives you a sense of control. And absolutely, we need that. But we can't know everything. Mm, that's and right. So to help us sort of buffer that, this is a good reminder. Which I think is a really nice segue in the sense that this is why as a patient, you need a team around you that provides you with whole person care. Not everyone can know about your well-being. Not everyone can know about nutrition or your oncology path. And that is why you have a team to support you in your care pathway. Absolutely. I just mentioned before that I saw a psychologist when I was doing my treatment and I just found it, honestly, it was the most useful resource for me to help me through. I had a young child. Um, I was facing my own mortality because my mum had passed away at the, a similar age. There's quite a bit of stigma still, I think, around seeking professional advice. A couple of things. What's the difference between a social worker and a psychologist, I suppose? And then how do we demystify this stigma? I guess I might try to tackle the first part of that. So I guess with psychology and social work, there are a lot of similarities in, in the work that we do. There can be quite a lot of crossover and overlap. Um, in my work, I've experienced that. And in, in colleagues, uh, colleagues of mine, I've um, heard that that's their similar experience. It really just depends on the clinical area that you're working in. Uh, we do have different training, of course, and our value base can be a little bit different at times. However, the important thing to make note of is that we both have a common goal, and that is that we're both addressing and supporting people's psychological and emotional well-being. Um, so both professions are absolutely crucial because, because we come from a different set of values and a different approach, we can cater to the needs of individuals differently. And what that means is that um, we're able to sort of expand our reach. Individuals are not exactly the same. They're exactly that, actually, individuals. Um, and for that reason, every person needs support in different ways and doesn't necessarily fit into a psychology model or a social work model. Like, not everybody fits into one of those. So um, I guess rather than speaking to what makes them different, I thought what might be helpful is to go into a little bit more about what makes social work unique and what are our distinct sort of values and characteristics. Fantastic. Yeah, so I thought, well, our core values um, are what guide our profession and I think really what guide us as human beings, um, respect for persons, social justice, empowerment, self-determination, collaboration, and the list goes on. Um, we look at people... I guess this is what makes social work distinct. We look at people not just as individuals, but as embedded within a psychosocial context or a system. In their environment? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So that environment is made up of, of many things. It's made up of family. It's made up of friends. It's made up of the health system. It's made up of boyfriends and girlfriends and husbands and wives. It's made up of um, employment, but also the the work environment. So all the people that you connect with through work, um, other groups, so like religious groups, um, spiritual groups, soccer groups, whatever it is that you're connected to, the greater society, ethnic and cultural groups. So 
a person is not just a person. A person is embedded and impacted and, and sort of interconnected with all of these other people and groups and systems. And so if we take the person out of that and try to support a person without looking at all of that, we're really only looking at a part of the person. We're really neglecting to look at everything that makes that person that person. So that's a core value of social work. We also understand that people are impacted by the circumstances around them. So um, that we are people that are relational beings. We are people that are um, impacted by what's happening financially, what's happening with our friends, what's happening with our children. And so all of these things impact us. They impact our psychological, emotional well-being. They impact our physical well-being. They can impact our treatment and vice versa. So within social work, I guess we're constantly trying to explore and reflect on social stresses that a person's going through and experiencing um, because we understand that these are going to affect the person. They're going to affect how they go through treatment, how they engage with health professionals, how they are able to show up to an appointment. You know, we we take that for granted. Someone rocking up for chemotherapy uh, 15 days out of their 21-day cycle, they're feeling rotten and nauseous. You know, maybe they're a, they're a mum that has to drop kids off to school. I was just going to say, I was trying to get my son to childcare. It's not just making it to the appointment. It's all the other factors that make your life run. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so that's a perfect example of how if I just look at the person attending their appointment, I've missed it. I've missed everything else about what goes into that person getting to the appointment However, if I look into that and if I address that, a person can seamlessly or with much more ease go through treatment, which is what we need for the, to, to address, you know, the, the, the diagnosis and the problem. But if I don't, then, you know, they can't go through that. We can't address the main problem, which is, is their health. So that's something that social workers do our best to keep in mind. We want to look at a person holistically. Um, and so sometimes we are simultaneously trying to balance between, you know, therapeutically working with a person, um, addressing the psycho-emotional aspect of that person. But we also need to look at those other areas. So we need to look at what other stresses are happening in a person's life? And if I can help support them in that, then I'm also going to have a flow and effect in their emotional well-being. So we want to keep that sort of dual focus of looking at practical parts of a person's life, social aspects of a person's life, emotional aspects of a person's life and their health, which is the main, you know, centre focus. Um, so that's what makes social work unique. Something that I think, um, you know, I never had that opportunity. It was never presented to me. And these are the gaps that we find in the system. Some people do, some people don't, which is why it's so wonderful to have you on board at Bowel Cancer Australia as a resource, Victoria. So the stigma, just quickly, do you still think there is a stigma? And do you, how, how do we demystify that if there is? I think there can be. I mean, I hope there's less and less, and I think there is less and less because when I think about how perhaps my my colleagues that have been working in the area for much longer 
um, have experienced people sort of engaging with social work and counselling versus how we are now. I think today people are more um, aware of the fact that really anyone and almost not everyone but many people reach out for support now not just because they're going through a cancer diagnosis but because they're experiencing stress in their lives so I think it's perhaps less but I think in the cancer um, maybe realm oncology realm people think that no, you you do that when you've you've got like a mental health problem. I think that's sort of sometimes the mentality people come with. I think sometimes people think that cancer is treated just the physical. They forget about the whole person. Yeah, which is so very important. It's such an important factor um, because I would imagine there's research to say that if you are calmer, etc., you take to drugs more readily. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Your your psychological and emotional health has a significant impact on your physical health. I guess the other thing is that if someone offers you support in that way, so if you, you're speaking to, to a nurse and the nurse offers you social work support, it's not because they're saying you're not coping. It's not because they're saying I'm really concerned about, you know, your mental state. Or if a doctor says that, or whoever says it, it's a support service that when you think about it, you wouldn't think anything of it if they offered you a nurse. You wouldn't think anything of it if they offered you a nutritionist. And so a social worker or a psychologist, a counselor, is just another part of addressing your overall health. So it's not a it's not a suggestion that you're weak. It's not a suggestion that you're not coping. It's providing more of a scaffold around you to uphold you through your experience. I really like that idea, a scaffold through your life. But it goes back to that holistic care, doesn't it, Victoria? Yeah. So what practical advice then do you have for patients who may be feeling quite overwhelmed? So a few things. Um, I guess one thing that comes to mind that I was just talking about with somebody yesterday is be kind and compassionate to yourself. Um, as you would a friend that came up to you and broke down in front of you saying, I just can't deal with this. You'd be kind to them. You'd reassure them. You'd probably tell them to stop trying to do everything, just chill at home, watch a movie, I'm here. You know, be kind to yourself as you would a friend. Give yourself permission to feel whatever you feel at that moment. There's no right or wrong way to feel you're going to have bad days you're going to have good days we've had them you had them before your cancer diagnosis and you'll have them after and you get through them so give yourself permission to do that um but one of the things that i really wanted to highlight was something that i um recently was reminded of in a webinar by dr carrie lethborg i hope i'm pronouncing her name correctly um she did a lot of research and has developed a framework called MAP therapy um, to support oncology patients. And just three points I want to highlight. Obviously, um, there is much more that can go, I could go into, but the first thing is despair equals suffering, whether physically or emotionally. Despair equals suffering without meaning. Meaning, which... I guess in her research and in the research, it's defined as realizing that you're loved and you have a purpose. 
Meaning serves to buffer against fear, anxiety, and suffering experienced by those with cancer, but I guess in any part of life. And the last thing is social support is shown in research as the strongest predictor of meaning. So if we put that together as a puzzle, social support is so important. Connect yourself with people. It doesn't have, if you're not fortunate enough to have a big family around you or a lot of friends, even if you have one person, or maybe you don't have anyone around you, but you have a nurse that you talk to. It, it doesn't matter how small or how um, expansive your support network is. Support is the strongest predictor of meaning and meaning helps to buffer suffering and av- helps us avoid despair. So everyone's experience is unique as we've touched on. Can you talk us through some of the common questions that people have asked you so far when they've been diagnosed or going through treatment with bowel cancer? I don't, like I, like you said, actually, I, I don't yet have that um, pattern that I can refer to. But I guess in my overall experience in oncology and palliative care, I would say that the theme of the questions are really around the unknown. So whatever that might be um, around treatment, how, how will I do this? How, people are looking for a sense of control. I think we've spoken about that. Um, so really questions around the question marks in their journey um, to regain a sense of control. So I guess I try to answer as many questions as I can. And then if if there's any questions that I can't answer, try to refer them and point them in the direction to get the answers so that those can make up for the places where we can't give answers. Um, so I would say as well a lot of I think people here, social working, can often think about um, employment, finances. So I do get a lot of questions about how am I going to manage all of this with my finances? Um, I've lost my job or maybe I can't work and I don't have income protection or I don't know how to access this. So I do get a lot of questions around finances. Some very real practical things in our life that really do then impact I was made redundant in the middle of chemotherapy, (laughs) which had I had somebody to help me through that would have been quite wonderful. But, you know, that just added another layer of stress. And I'm not alone there. There's a lot of other people that would be going through that. Yeah, yeah. And and it can, I had someone, a young person, she's 19, I think. And no, she was younger, she was 17. And she almost stopped doing radiation because there was so much happening in her um, family situation. There was quite a significant amount of stress and she had no one to bring her. She didn't have a license because her surgery, uh, her her cancer was a, a brain tumor and she had to have that removed. So she couldn't drive and she was immunosuppressed. So she didn't want to just jump in a cab. This was during COVID. So she almost, um, oh, sorry, not a cab. She didn't want to jump on a bus or a train and cabs are incredibly expensive and she wasn't working. So coming to radiation every single day, she had about 40 fractions. So for 40 days straight, she had to come to the hospital every single day. How does a 17-year-old, like your, your natural instinct is, this is too much. I'm not going to do it. 
I'm just I'm just going to stop showing up. So yeah, it can have a significant impact. Um, some of those really practical things. And so if it's not finances, it's something else practical. And then I guess the other thing that can be um, or that I find is a is a recurring theme is questions around support and how do I talk to whichever family member it is, my daughter, my husband, it, questions around or I guess the question becomes about how each individual grieves. People don't really understand my husband's doing this. Um, he's doing all these really practical things, but I haven't seen him cry or all I do is cry. So addressing some of those differences between how people grieve, what's normal, um, really anything is normal, nothing is abnormal. Um, there are some things, but, yeah, so I would say um, I hope I've answered that well enough. But, yeah, those are sort of themes of, of questions that come up, not necessarily specific questions. So, Victoria, how can people get in touch with you? Because I am sure there are a number of people and a number of our listeners that uh, after hearing this have gone, I need to speak to Victoria. How do they get in touch with you at Bowel Cancer Australia? Yes, so the phone number that we have out, one 494 People can also access via the website. There's an inquiry form you can fill out. Um, and then I'll get in contact with you and we'll go from there. Fantastic. Finally, Listeners of the Bottom Line podcast would know and be very familiar with the fact that I always ask the people that I interview three top points that they want taken away from the podcast. So what are your top three? It's hard to narrow down to top three. Um, I'm just kidding. It's okay. <laughs> um, so I guess number one would be you're not alone and don't try and do this alone. You're a relational being. And you draw meaning through social support. We all do. So, so use that. Use that support. Reach out. Um, it doesn't, if it's family, if it's friends, if it's not, if it's Bowel Cancer Australia is your support team, if it's your treating team at the hospital, reach out for support um, because support is so important um, to help you draw meaning and to help you get through your journey. Um, I would say remember that you have a daily bank of strength. So use it wisely um, for the things that you can deal with today. Don't try to tackle um, tomorrow with what strength you have today. And also um, please don't be afraid to reach out to social work, um, whether that's through us, Bowel Cancer Australia. I'd be happy to speak to anyone everyone, you, if you're the person going through it, your family member, your close friend that's struggling, we're here for your system and you. So please don't be afraid to reach out. You don't have to have, you know, your your story or your issues all packaged up neat and tidy and concise and able to, you know, eloquently tell me. You can start with one word or you can start with crying just reach out um, and, and let us be part of that network and that scaffold that supports you. 
Fantastic. It is so wonderful to have you on board, Victoria. It's just so wonderful also to be able to offer this support system and another resource for bowel cancer patients and their loved ones. It's been a much needed resource and we're so thrilled to have you on board. So thank you for joining us today on the Bottom Line Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to the Bottom Line podcast. To find out more about bowel cancer or for support or simply to donate, please go to bowelcanceraustralia.org.